This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I want to take you on a journey of uh, what we call a request, and specifically an HTTP request, because that's the most ubiquitous and abundant type of request that is in the web, obviously, right? Uh, keep in mind that the really the anatomy of a request that a front end makes to a back end doesn't have to be an HTTP request. You can do like what the game developers do and they go deep down into the networking stack and pick a protocol that is so low level and they build their own protocol because they don't need all the crap that HTTP has. You know, they send a single byte and boy, they cram as much information in that byte as possible, right? A byte is eight bits and then boy, they can, they can send eight commands. They can send eight different commands in a single byte, you know, doesn't have to be a text, right? It's just, this always fascinates me how, how much wastage are there in HTTP, but it is what we have, obviously, and it's, it's being compressed and being compact as much as possible. But regardless, it's not our topic. Our topic is, is let's follow the journey of a request. Exactly what happens when you take that request and, and delivers it to the backend, especially when the backend is really not the final destination. There is another backend behind the backend, you know, because usually in, in, a, in an enterprise level architecture and a, uh, when you have like an actual, you know, production level system, you have all these layers uh, that the that your request has you know to has to go through most of these are an api gateway which is nothing but a glorified reverse proxy by the way right and behind that could be a load balancer you know which is again nothing but a glorified reverse proxy but at the end of the day what really happens and what's the kind of latencies that the request faces before it reaches you know, the, the, the final, you know, destination, which is actual web server that understands how to respond to that request. Let's go on to this journey. Welcome to the Backend Engineering Show with your host, Hossein Nasser. And let's follow this journey of the request, an HTTP request to be specific, right? So let's say you have a link and you receive this link via WhatsApp, or maybe you you actually have that link in a page that you have already loaded. So there is already a domain that is being loaded, and this link is one of them. You you try to click on this link, or you actually typing that link in the browser and hitting enter. The three uh, scenarios yield completely different results. But I don't have time obviously to explain all these scenarios. 
So let's take the WhatsApp example or the messages. You received a link from a message and you clicked on that link on your mobile phone. What happened is the operating system will detect that, oh, this link is an HTTP link, so we need a browser to understand how to, uh, you know, render this link, let's say. First of all, we open a browser instance. So we detect, what is your default browser? So we open that. If we don't have a default browser, we prompt you. And by we, I mean the phone here. And then we open a browser, regardless, Chrome, Safari, you know, Opera, whatever is the default browser. And now we open the browser. Now we deliver the link to the browser. And we say, oh, this is an HTTP or HTTPS link. And here is really what, what is really critical. Was the link sent to you starts with an HTTPS colon slash slash or HTTP colon slash slash and really makes a difference. So let's say we start with HTTPS. Okay? If we start with HTTPS, then the browser knows that the domain that I need to connect to lives on port 443 because that's the default port usually but before even we do that we really need in order to connect to we need the port which we know now because it's HTTPS, and we need the ip address which we don't have we have a domain because right? let's say this this domain is facebook.com slash let's say someone sent you a facebook post right you wanted to view that Facebook.com. So the browser says, okay, what is the IP address of Facebook.com? We do a what we call the domain name uh, query to get the IP address. Say DNS. So we deliver this query to the operating system to figure it out, right? And we depends on the configuration at that end what kind of DNS is configured, you know, do we have a pure vanilla DNS, which is on top of UDB, or do we have this fancy new thing, which is DOT or DOH, or DNS security, and then we resolve the DNS using the appropriate approach, and it's, it's an episode by itself, DNS resolution. So now, we find my domain name server, that is configured on the phone, which is retrieved from my router, which is probably configured by your admin, or maybe you have overridden that on your phone, and we use that DNS server, whether this is Google, 8888 Air, Cloudflare, 1111, or any, any other domain provider. Or maybe you have your own DNS provider, you know, like a pie hole or whatever. So now we ask that question, and Facebook.com, we go to a root server, which then takes us to you know, one of the 13 root servers. And then the question is like, okay, where is .com, right? Because we want Facebook.com, but we have to answer the .com servers. So we go to the top level domains.com. Give me a .com server. There are millions of those. So we go to one of them and we ask, okay, give me, uh, uh, tell me where Facebook.com is and Facebook.com. Yeah, Facebook.com is like, this is where you can get the answer of Facebook.com. So you get another server, 
which is called an authoritative name server. We go to that, and then that gives us the answer to our Facebook.com. So authoritative name servers usually belong to Facebook, right? So this is all done by the DNS recursor on the background, probably synchronously, while we are blocked waiting, right? Assuming we don't have any cache, obviously. Until we get a result, we have a beautiful IP address. This IP address is usually the IP address of the first front end reverse proxy that all the request goes to, right? And now we have a beautiful IP address in the client side. And now we also have a port. Now we can establish a connection. And for simplicity, I'm going to use HTTP2. HTTP3 is a little bit different. We use the quick, and I don't want to get into the complexity of quick now. We still, most of the web now is on top of HTTP2. This, although Facebook now uses HTTP3 and quick almost ex exclusively. But for the sake of example, let's simplify the story. Right. So now we establish a TCP connection right, with, with this IP address that we just got on port 443, because that's, that's, that's what we need. Right? We need this pair. And obviously, to establish a TCP connection, we have an IP address, and we have also a source port that is almost random, that is used for facebook.com to know how to respond to us, right? Because a TCP connection is always, we need these four pairs. This is very critical to understand these four pairs. The four pairs is destination IP address, where you're going, destination port, which application you're going to that on that machine, right? On that host. Yeah? And the source IP address, where, who are you as a host, and which application is actually running, right? And that's basically the, the unique configuration. We basically establish a, a TCP connection through a three-way handshake, sync, a synac, uh, and an ACK. And then now we have a stateful, beautiful TCP connection. We established sequence numbers so that we can label our segments, right? It's like, hey, this is segment number one. Obviously, it never starts from one. It starts from a very big, large numbers that both the server and the client agrees on. And now we have some sort of a state going on. TCP is stateful. We, all know, we know that. That's not enough. We have a TCP connection, beautiful. But the next thing is because we know it's the HTTPS, we have knowledge, Tylopez knowledge of this beautiful uh, link, we need to establish on top of that unencrypted TCP connection, plain text, we really need to establish a TLS. We talked about TLS many times. And the reason is we really need to establish session keys, ephemeral session keys that is only used for this particular connection. So we use Diffie Hellman to exchange this session key. So even if someone in the middle trying to really uh, intercept and understand what's going on, they can't, right? And uh, uh, they, they, we send the client hello, TLS client hello. The server responds back with a server hello with a certificate proving that you are in fact talking to Facebook.com. In the TCP side, there is no authentication. We don't know that the IP address that we got actually belongs to Facebook. We have no knowledge about that. 
the the TLS helps us authenticate and encrypt, right? Authenticate that means, hey, are you who you say you are? Yeah. And and the, re, the, the the it is done by this is uh, this thing that is called certificates, right? So Facebook will reply with an actual digital certificate that has the string facebook.com in it and, and is signed by a, some trusted party called the certificate authority, which is signed by another trusted party called the root certificate that everybody's trust on their machines, unless you're a Chinese laptop. Okay, so, so now we have this beautiful hierarchy of this we have a trust i know that we're talking to facebook we established an ephemeral key that we use to encrypt using symmetric encryption because it's faster than asymmetric uh, public key encryption right and then now we start encrypting now the application is ready to actually start sending the request so a click that we have done on the whatsapp translates to a get request that's a get request always a get request so we need to send an http get request right and obviously we have agreed on which protocol we are using with with facebook in the tls handshake right this is done by using something called alpn application layer uh, protocol gateway and uh, we now we know which uh, which application we're using right we're using oh, which protocol we're using is HTTP2, HTTP1, 1, or HTTP3. And now we know we're using HTTP2, so let's go ahead and send our first get request. We need to construct this get request. What are we sending exactly? Where, where are we going? We're sending the get request, that's the method. Uh, HTTP needs also the protocol, so HTTP2. All right, the third parameter is actually not parameter, the third bit that we need is the path and the path is clearly in the link right because facebook.com slash blah, 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 that's the whole path and sometimes there is like funky wonky query parameters where it starts with a question mark and blah 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 and it's percent blah 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 so that's also is added on top of the path so we have this get request we have the path and now uh before we send this wait a minute all right we need to send this and um, this is the domain what kind of headers do we need? Well, the host header, this is a very required header, host header. Where are we going? We're going to facebook.com, blah, blah, facebook.com, put it there. You might say, why Why are we re putting redundant information? Fix. We know that we're connecting to facebook.com. No, actually, we lost that knowledge. <laughs> we did it in the DNS, right? And then we got it from Facebook, from the TLS, which is a, as, a, as a certificate, but then we lost that knowledge. We lost it. Right, so we need to HTTP is stateless, it doesn't know this stuff. So we need to carry on that we're actually hey, I'm actually going to Facebook.com. You put it as a header. Optionally, we need to also authenticate this request that hey, by the way, I have visited Facebook.com before, I have logged in on Facebook.com before, and the browser remembers that. And says, okay, where are you coming from? You're coming from WhatsApp, all right? This, so this is a click link. So you, uh, it's as if you went to the browser and actually typed Facebook.com and you hit enter. Most browsers treat that as equal. Some don't. Wow. Okay, some don't. 
But now we have a beautiful, you know, uh, authentication that we can send. It's called cookies. So the browser now makes the decision, should I include the facebook.com cookie because it's already there, I saved it locally. If I include it, then Facebook eventually will get that. So we include, let's say we included cookies. Boom, put the login information. And now we package this beautiful get request. There is nobody in get request usually. I say usually because I never seen one and then that's I think that's the standard really. But some people say that that can be broken. Everything can be broken at the end of the day. And now you stake that beautiful payload. And that could be large payload, right? Now we need to send it on the TCP vehicle. That's the vehicle we have. Well, what do we send in TCP? Well, we send segments, right? Which translate to IP packets. But the TCP segments here, let's say for the sake of example, that beautiful request that we have, the get request, which has a long strings of stuff, right? Maybe we also, we compressed it, right? And we did header compression with HPAC, HPAC with HTTP2. We did so much stuff and that beautiful string of bytes we need to send it now it depends on the maximum segment size and the window size that we have been agreed upon on the tcp you know stack we can only send this much this is called the tcp slow start you start slow and then uh, if you sense if the tcp stack sense that the back end actually can handle more it will increase the segment size and you can send more and more data. So let's say I can only send X amount of segments, right? And my request is too big, so I have to break it uh, into four segments, right? As I start. Now, four segments. And here's where the algorithms kicks in. Should you, as a client, the client being the mobile phone that had the link from WhatsApp and all that jazz, right? Should you send the first segment, which is probably going to be nonsense, right? In the grand scheme of thing, because it's going to be chopped up, get request. It's not going to be the whole thing. Should you send that segment and then wait for an acknowledgement of the server that you have actually received that segment? Or should you send the four? Most clients will behave and say, no way, not really. We really need to send one and then wait because there could be a congestion going in the network. And I have no idea about the state of the network. So I have to test the network. I have to, you know, I have to play with this network. Okay, let, let, take this few bytes. Can you handle this? Yeah, can you handle this? And then we send it and we wait. If we receive an acknowledgement, that means, hey, this seems like this server actually can handle this. But we took a hit here because we send a, a single segment that is part of a get request. Remember, this is not the full request yet. We send just part of it. The client is now waiting. You're waiting for facebook.com to open. But we never actually delivered the request 
yet to the back end. I want you to really pay attention to this because this is very critical, especially in the back end when you work with Nginx and load balancers and HA proxies and stuff like that. This is the low level stuff that you play with and you have to understand. So now we sent a segment. There's part part one of out of four of that HTTP request that I'm about to send, right? The backend now here, let's say this is the API gateway. That is the front end of Facebook talking to us, right? That's why I always say like the, every backend has a front end and every front end has a backend at the end of the day, right? A backend is always a front end of something else. So now we receive that segment in the back uh, in the backend, and we receive we send back an acknowledgement. Okay, I got it. But now we took a hit of latency. Whatever that round trip time, let's say X millisecond, we took it. Like minimum is like latencies when it's when these comes thing is like 20 millisecond, 40 millisecond. You're gonna get lucky if you are like going to Google and you have like a server next to you. You get maybe five, eight milliseconds. I never seen less. You only get like sub millisecond when you're on local network, but you you almost never get uh, 10, five, six millisecond if you're going to the internet, right? There is, so there is, you're taking the hit. So four milliseconds going or, or 10 milliseconds going and or 40 milliseconds going, 40 milliseconds coming back. So there is a 80 milliseconds hit, right? And now you send the second segment. And let's say you decided, the client decided that it's still, it's too slow. So let's, let's, let's be patient and send the second segment and wait for an acknowledgement before we send the third segment. So now we take a 40, 40, Milliseconds, so we take another 80. So the 160 millisecond, you might not feel it. 160 millisecond is not sub, sub step sub second, but do that, do that again. 160 plus another 80. Do the math to 220, 220, yeah, to 20 milliseconds. The fourth millisecond now, 300 millisecond is what users usually feel. It's just, mm, you start feeling it. So you took 300 milliseconds, 300 something, right? Millisecond, even more than that, just to deliver the request to who? Not your backend. That's just to deliver the request to the API gateway, which is the front facing reverse proxy. We didn't even reach the backend yet. So now, the back end, which is in this case the API gateway, says, okay, I got four requests. Okay, this makes sense. Now these four segments combined. Oh, now I understand what this is. These are actually part of one stream, right? Because that's how HTTP2 works. And now this beautiful string of bytes compose a beautiful get request with the cookies and stuff. Now Obviously, there is decryption on top of that that I didn't talk about. We use the symmetric key that we agreed upon with the API gateway to decrypt and then look at that beautiful stuff. And then all of this thing, now we have a get request. Now, does the API gateway answer? Absolutely not. The API gateway will say, wait a minute, let's, let's see if you're actually authorized to make this request to begin with. So we'll check your IP address. We'll check the 
nature of the request it's a layer 7 reverse proxy so it it sees the request it's decrypting and it sees your entire request it might need to do some api rate limiting at you it does all sorts of checks and this checks is it takes a finite amount of time in the api gateway why you are still while you're still waiting that's a click on whatsapp that was one single click all this time you're doing that stuff api gateway got a request says okay you may proceed and when i say you may proceed that means i as an api gateway now i am a front end and my actual back end let's make it simple let's say this is the final destination because i can go on and make it another load balancer which then another hop which goes to another back end but let's simplify let's say the back end is actually the final destination and this is your apache web server this is your caddy this is your lint this is your uh what kind of web servers do we have right mongrel 2 this is whatever web server you're using at the end of the day right your your iis and now you're talking to that but how how going you talk to the back end now the the channel between the api gateway and reverse proxy now needs to go through some sort of a similar pattern right either open a connection to the back end eagerly when a request comes says okay uh you now need to go to this particular server i'm gonna pick one for you because the client doesn't know anything about the actual final back end that's what the definition of a reverse proxy is right you as a client talks to the reverse proxy but you don't know the true final destination it just hides it from you it's like exact reverse of a proxy proxy you know where you're going and you want some help to take you there right that's the proxy so now you talk to the reverse proxy the reverse proxy of facebook talks to an actual backend and now this is where the the creativity of engineering and backend engineering comes into the picture what do you do do you establish a connection on that spot right taking the head of dns is not much but taking the head of tcp connection and taking the head of tls encryption three hits then package that request again send it or do you preheat this connection prior in anticipation that someone might actually send a request there is pros and cons for both approaches the lazy approach or the eager approach there is pros and cons right because if you preheat them you're wasting memory that might nobody might use as now you have something ready that you just ship something to right the other approach is, is uh, hey let's open on demand but it's uh, it's going to be slow right the request you're you're taking that synchronous request gets the hit of the establishment of the backend connection does that make sense it's all decisions that you can make there's no true right or wrong there is no, nothing like that it's all decisions that you make based on your workload so now we now the api gateway packages that get request maybe most of the time adds more even more headers to that request 
and then ships us to the backend, right? And usually the API gateway uh, to the backend, this is a local network, right? Because it's, it's the backend network interface, the NIC of the API gateway is different than the NIC that talked to the front end, right? It's usually have two network cards, like not physical network card, could be virtual, who cares? And then now the back end is almost local, so there's no latency. There's like sub millisecond, microsecond latencies, right? So now if I send that request, right, I can send it as a whole. Probably there is a pre, that's another advantage of preheating because preheating you can, you can send garbage data to uh, trigger slow start so that we know that we are in a high bandwidth area and we can send that request in one TCP segment beautiful right avoiding that whole latency stuff right and then you receive the request from the back end now no 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 you don't receive the request you receive the request on the back end now the back end decrypts the request takes a look at it and then decides to actually execute that request now this is your express server this is your node.js fancy stuff your django your python whatever logic you have now you actually execute it there right this is maybe a query to the database you're doing all that stuff so the response time that usually backend engineers measures is that like how long it takes for me to once i receive that request right after it gets assembled to me i your 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 slash get method will be called the callback right that 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 callback will be called with a request only when when that tcp segments are are assembled into a, what what the backend actually understands as a good request or a post request right now you go and do your own stuff and this is you try to minimize the response time as much as possible you do your own thing and now you compile a response http and do the same thing exactly you write that response right to your api gateway you don't know you just write it to whomever send it to you right whoever established the tcp connection with you and now hopefully you can write all the response if your response is tiny you can do it in a in single tcp segment if it's big then it's going to be broken up into the t different tcp segments based on the maximum segment size at that point or the window size at that point that's the accurate terminology and then we send it to the api gateway the api gateway does the same exact thing decrypts it because it's it's a layer seven thing right both of these endpoints actually needs to go all up to the first stack which is the layer seven or the last stack depends on how you look at it and then understand that stuff and then unpack that and then maybe add some more headers right and then now we are ready the api gateway receives that response it takes it and then writes it back to the client which is our phone right and now the same thing we are at the mercy of the internet we are at the mercy of the tcp window size how much can i send and the larger the response size the more tcp segments you need to send and the more you have to wait for an acknowledgement for these tcp segments so now you can you can play all sorts of games here some 
even if you have multiple TCP segments, you the TCP stack can send a lot of segments without waiting for an acknowledgement. And you want to be in that state where you can send as much TCP segments as possible without actually waiting for acknowledgement from the server. Because if you wait for an acknowledgement, that means you have a slow connection. That means you don't trust the backend to respond to you in time. That means there is a possibility of latency because now you're waiting, right? So the best configuration that you can get on is is when, when the window size is so large that you can send a gigabyte. I don't know if that's that big, to be honest, but you can send a huge amount of data without acknowledgement. So hey, shove that on the bandwidth because my bandwidth, the routers in the middle actually are not yelling at me. They take my data and they can send it. And then you receive the response on your client side and now it's probably going to be an html page or a json or whatever now when we receive that on the client side we decrypt it with the session key that we use in tls right we decrypt every tls we decrypt every tcp segments right right however there is that's why the encryption algorithm used in tls must be really fast right Otherwise, if it's so slow, imagine doing that with with a large number of bits. That's why AES, the symmetric encryption, are usually small with 128 bits, 256 if you want more security, right? You have to use a small some number of bits. If you use a large number of bits, then it's going to be slower. That being said, it's uh, it's going to be very secure at the end. But no, no one proved that you don't you don't need more than 256 of AES bits in security to be honest to to receive great security with symmetric encryption now yeah you receive you decrypt segment by segment you have this beautiful plain text you combine it and you now understand it's an actually an http response you look at the uh, headers you look at the response header you look at the status code oh is it 200 is it four whatever four errors whatever and, and then uh, you parse the response uh, content type what did we receive we received an http html page we received a json we received javascript we received css and then you do what what the browser can do effectively based on the content type if it's html we render it if it's an image we render it if it's a css we view it if it's a javascript we execute it dangerous sometimes right and uh, that's it that's what we do basically right that's the cycle and that uh, that was a single request guys now imagine all the stuff you do next time you're gonna send a get request or a loop of get request or you you will again appreciate the cost of all of that and that was the purpose of this podcast effectively just just appreciate what is going on on the back end right on the networking stack on the security stack on the api gateway on the load balancers right and i had only one layer which is the api gateway i could have another layer load balancer <laughs> that's another read and read and buffer read and buffer and then uh, rewrite to another socket on the network interface 
the operating system latencies i'm pretty much i'm I'm pretty sure i missed so much other stuff as well that i i basically don't have knowledge about yet but i hope you guys enjoyed this podcast if you want a quick plug if you uh, if you like this kind of podcast consider checking out my uh, first of all consider checking out my our membership here on youtube if you join the membership uh, I have over 60 videos of member-only exclusive content that you can't get public uh, on YouTube, right? So you get access to that. And uh, consider also checking my fundamentals of uh, Nginx, our introduction to Nginx Udemy course, where I talked about these kind of, you know, in detail, uh, the fundamentals of reverse proxies, load balancers, the different configuration that you can put Nginx on, the different ciphers that you can put Nginx on, and do do all this kind of uh, cool stuff. Right? Talking about the basics, fundamentals that you can apply on your daily job. Consider that. Go to nginx.husseinnasser.com for a discount coupon. Thank you so much, guys, for uh, listening or watching. If you're listening to this on the podcast or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to see you in the next one. You guys stay awesome.